This episode is sponsored by Business Movers. In the newest edition of Business Movers podcast, they look at how Steve Jobs took Apple from near disaster to total triumph. Listen to Business Movers, The Enlightenment of Steve Jobs on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or listen one week early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. And thanks to Literati for also supporting the Apple Bits XL. Literati is the subscription book club that makes it easy to get unique and interesting books delivered to your door. Redeem your free trial at literati.com slash applebits. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Look, it has been a busy week. WWDC just happened. I know a lot of you are feeling things. It's been a few days since all the biggest announcements came out. Some bigger than others. Some not as hot as others. Some people left disappointed because, yes, uh, contrary to all rumors and leaks, there was no macbook pro at this event but that doesn't matter because there was still a whole lot more so what we're going to do in this show is bring on my friend developer and previous guest of the show joe chiplinski to talk about you know our thoughts on the event and what we can expect moving forward with these tools so my buddy joe chiplinski he's going to be on the show the guest and we're just going to kind of go back and forth talk about what we liked what we didn't what stands out and have fun with that all right first of all we got to get some orders of business out of the way be a part of the show. All you got to do is call in, record a voice memo on any device you have, and then send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, the issues that are pressing in your life. Send it along. Keep it around a minute 30 or so, and we'll put it in the show. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support the show. Many of you have supported me from the very beginning. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to $5, which is a cup of coffee per month, if that's the value that I give you. $10, $25, the $100 platinum Apple level. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support this, all my work, my videos. And you get some bonuses too. You get rewards at each level that you contribute. You get early access to a majority of my content and you get a completely ad-free version of the show. We also just today wrapped up uh, a really good Zoom call. I was like 10 minutes late, so some of you might have missed it, but I literally can't talk about what we talked in there because I kind of, because it was a small group, I gave some little inside information, which is why you kind of, it's fun to be a part of all this stuff. So thank you to all of you who have contributed and continue to support. All right, let's get to the show WWDC. I think it was about, was it about an hour and a half, maybe a little more than that? It was packed with a lot of stuff. Some, some of it not as impactful as I expected it to be. Obviously, the iPad didn't necessarily deliver on what hardware they brought about a month ago. Um, so we have our thoughts on that. But here it is, Joe Chaplinski and myself talking about all things WWDC. What's up, everybody? Friend of the show. I call him a regular Joe Chaplinski back to talk about WWDC 21. What an event it was, um, I think, for consumers. There was probably some mixed reactions based on expectations, um, whether or not I don't care about the fact that a Mac Pro, MacBook Pro didn't come. But Joe, welcome. Thanks for coming out and hanging out. What's up, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great. Thanks for having me again. And uh, I'm not going to uh, be giving back my iPad Pro anytime soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally going to, I was literally going to ask you all about that. So um, before we jump into this, for people that aren't familiar with you, Joe, maybe mm-hmm. what do you do and uh, where they can find some of your work? 
Yeah, well, I uh, have been a developer and designer in the in the iOS kind of Mac community for quite a while now. Uh, I've got a podcast called Release Notes where we talk about business, small business indies trying to bank a buck uh, on the App Store <laughs> and various other places. I'm actually my uh, co-host there is now doing mostly SaaS stuff on the web. So it's like, oh, basically how to make money through software and uh, our struggles with all of that stuff. So that's a lot of fun. You can see that uh, or go to find that in whatever pod place you go uh, for. <laughs> it's just called release notes. Uh, yeah. And I, I just freelance developing for various different people. Okay. So that's Joe in a nutshell, but he's, you know, Joe and I worked together at the Apple store way back in the day. The, mm-hmm. I guess the second one, Steve yeah. Jobs would come in. We both have stories about that, but um, <laughs> what we're going to, you know, you talked about, I think let's get this rolling because for me, uh, I do, I'm actually on, I, I'm because I'm a tech reviewer, mm-hmm. I'm really likely going to keep my iPad pro. Um, there's a lot that I love about it, but I guess for me, the actual announcements at WWDC were lackluster for me, but maybe you can shed some light or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you're just like, you know what? I still love this hardware and I don't really care what other people think. So I'd love to get your first impressions. For me, it was the biggest letdown of the show for me, mm-hmm. but I still love my iPad Pro, but still a letdown in ways. So I'd love to hear kind of your take on iPad Pro, what you thought about it and and all that. Yeah, I think there was a lot of expectation, especially with that M1 hardware that Apple was going to really like unleash iPad OS 15 uh, and make it like just, you know, that much more powerful or announce like maybe Logic or, uh, you know, Final Cut Pro or something like that. And I understand that that expectation. I really do. Like for me, the iPad is still for me, it's like a it's an aspirational device. It's a device I want to be using all the time. And yet I, I'm still limited in what I can do with it sometimes. And I feel that way. Uh, and obviously the limitations are, is not on the hardware side i mean that machine just screams it's insane uh now it has a a display that's as good as my pro xdr display which is insane um but yeah i i I understand where that's coming from but on the other side i i kind of see how these things take time you know as someone who develops stuff i can't imagine the amount of work that goes into it i mean if you think about what how long has ipad os been around just about two or three years now right so i'm thinking it's just going to take a little more time I, i mean when they made that name change a lot of people thought, oh, this is just marketing. They're calling it iPad OS now. But to me, that was a signal to the team like, hey, you don't have to worry about the iPhone anymore. Don't let the iPhone hold you back. Uh, go and you know develop whatever you think is great for this device. And I, I'm hoping at least internally that that was the kind of the message. But you know, it takes time. You've got roots uh, coming from the phone and it's kind of hard to break out of that habit of everything I have to do also has to work on this tiny little screen. <laughs> so um, they did improve multitasking, which was probably the, my biggest gripe about mm-hmm. the, I, I mean, I, I almost never use multitasking. Me too, me too. Yeah, I I, I drag windows and they go the wrong way, right? (laughs) It's kind of clunky. Uh, So I haven't had a chance to actually put that on my iPad yet, uh, but I do, from everything I can see and everything I've heard from the people who have uh, put the beta out there, um, you know, that's at least very much improved in terms of like, I'm not going to hit the wrong button and or make the wrong gesture. Um, You know, I, I think... The, if there was one theme throughout this dub dub that I thought was really interesting is that all the hard work that Apple's been putting into making sure that they're consolidating all of their APIs and, and making sure that there's a lot more commonality between the Mac and iOS and and uh, iPad OS, it's starting to pay off. So like new features that are coming out 
are coming out everywhere, right? Mm. Uh, it's uh, usually in the Mac. You used to have to wait two, three years before something cool that came out on the phone would end up on the Mac. Uh, and there were actually a ton of things that came out like right simultaneously this time around. So I think, you know, again, a little more patience. I think in a couple more years, uh, we're going to see that these things are, are rolling a little more smoothly. But yeah, I mean, I understand. I, I can't help but be a little bit disappointed. I really want to do more with my iPad. Um, and, you know, I have started audio editing the podcast and things like that with my iPad, which is awesome with a pencil and ferrite and you know, apps Ooh. like that. Um, but yeah, it's, I just want to use it more. Every time I use it, I'm like, I, what else can I do with this thing? Yeah. Uh, one thing they did do, which I thought was awesome and might be underrated is, uh, this, the Swift Playgrounds app now, uh, where it's sort of the iPad app where you can type Swift code and like play, you know, playgrounds, literally like you experiment and, and try different things. It's also a great learning tool for kids, uh, actually, and adults. I've, I've run through a lot of the courses, um, but, you know, they uh, actually added a really cool capability to that now where you can actually uh, compile and publish apps to the App Store from that app. Now, is that a full-fledged Xcode? No, but it's sure a signal that Apple thinks that Xcode on iPad is possible. Uh, and so maybe next year, maybe, you know, sometime in the future, we will be seeing like full fledged development on the iPad, which would just you know make my day. I would, I would probably switch back to an iMac at home and then I would just carry around my iPad everywhere. You know, you give such a, uh, I, th- I, th- I commend you on a very balanced take because it's like, pre- you know, you're Joe and you, you make absolute sense preaching patience, right? Even though <laughs> it's, it's probably a word that uh, the current, uh, state of, not even the current generations or young generations, I think grown ass adults as well. I think, I think patience is kind of a lost art. And one thing that you pointed out that I really thought was insightful is the fact that you you talked about, and this is stuff that we may not necessarily think of as consumers behind the scenes. The fact that you said these APIs are all starting to, you know, be up to speed simultaneously on all three platforms. So for example, the first thing I think of is live text is one of those things that basically rolled out to all three at the same time. Yeah. And, and and is there and is to me, I'm going to use that. You know, that was probably my favorite feature from IO, I guess the roots. Obviously, iOS kind of feels like the center of their universe at times. And then some of those features trickle out to the other OSs. But um, live text was one of those that I said, OK, I'm absolutely going to use that. And even if I'm, you know, personally a little frustrated that we still haven't seen pro software to your point, I don't know how you felt about this. But when I watched the keynote and I watched it a second time, it almost, and I'm not trying to get people all excited about the new MacBook Pro, but it almost felt, and I know, again, WWDC is a developer's conference, right? It is, mm-hmm. no matter what rumors say, it is a developer's conference. And I did like that they threw in more developer nuggets than I thought. They didn't spend time with, you know, someone actually talking about, um, you know, some of the specific, you know, coding and things that they've done in the past where they have like someone on stage digging deep and people like consumers at home are like, this is a foreign language to me. Why am I watching this? Right. They didn't do that, but they actually showcased a lot of features. But I did feel like there's a point where they were almost building up to be like, after they showed universal control, it was almost like that would have been a perfect spot to drop a MacBook Pro if they did. Mm-hmm. And because the iPad OS felt like it, I mean, they only showcased like, I think arguably four or five features and two of them were widgets and uh, app library. And I guess the third was translation. So really like multitasking was kind of arguably the most um, ground shaking for that OS and it's good and it's nice. And like you, I'm clumsy as hell with the dragon. I stopped using it cause I'm like, okay, this is, it just wasn't smooth enough. Right. It just wasn't tight enough. And it's a lot tighter now. It, it looks good, but yeah, 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I've I've seen a couple of uh, examples too, where people, you know, a lot of the real like people who dig in deep with the shortcuts app and like the automation stuff, where you can actually write shortcuts that'll say, okay, open up these two specific apps in side by side mode and launch a timer for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can like have like one tap things that will put you into various different kinds of multitasking modes, and that's kind of powerful too. And now that might not be the kind of thing the average consumer mm-hmm. thinks to dig into. Uh, but yeah, you know, shortcuts is pretty good. I mean, it reminds me, I mean, Apple script was sort of the, the thing back in the day, but even that was kind of like you had the, you know, you're programming essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had automator on the mm-hmm. Mac, which is kind of still around, but, uh, you know, the, the shortcuts app, I think makes it a little more accessible to the average person if they want to play around with that. But yeah, to get back to your point with the, <laughs> the whole live text thing, I mean, that was, that was the, to me, the, the moment of like, okay, this is Apple showing off and mm-hmm. also a nod to like maybe a future class product, you know, kind of thing where it's like, mm-hmm. you look at things and you can, like just blink and you'll dial that phone number kind of a thing. But yeah, I, I used it already. I have the beta on my phone. I didn't put it on my iPad yet, but on the phone, me too. I was at a, I was at a restaurant last night and I'm looking at the, re- the menu and I'm like, what the heck is Bucatelli? <laughs> like, wow. I, just, I just took, I just took the uh, phone, pointed it at it, pressed it. It's like, Oh, it's this specific kind of pasta. I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, you know, it's so like that kind of thing is, is pretty powerful and pretty amazing. I, I really can't, I think I will be using that feature yeah. probably more than anything else they announced. Did you feel, did you feel like the keynote? I don't look, I don't, I'm not here to speculate and I don't want to labor on this point too long. But do you think that it felt like there was a moment where the MacBook Pro could have shown up, but then for whatever reason, it, it must have like, you know, they, they moved it off. Maybe it's a supply chain thing. Who knows? Yeah, no, I absolutely think you right exactly where you said would have been the perfect place to drop that mic. Uh, <laughs> <just> boom. <laughs> and by the way, uh, here's the new MacBook. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, I really feel like a lot of people are anticipating that. And it's funny because, you know, usually I hear more complaining when there's a lack of hardware during DubDub. Uh, it's it's never a guaranteed thing. I'd say maybe 80, 90 percent of the time they, they throw in some kind of hardware. And this time it, they didn't. It had to have been a supply constraint thing because the iPads are still completely constrained. Mm-hmm. And I know they're using mini LEDs. So maybe this new MacBook pro again total speculation here but i'm wondering if the pro pro like the 16 inch and this rumored 14 inch are using like a similar xdr type technology display with mini leds and they just can't produce them fast enough i mean the ipads i you still can't walk into a store and buy like a one terabyte uh new ipad pro so that might be part of the problem i think supply constraints are starting to hit the the entire industry across the board this year so we might have to wait another couple months and maybe they'll they'll drop that that one in uh, in september or something yeah, no, I I totally agree. And look, I mean, if if it's getting delayed because if it is getting delayed because of a mini LED display, you and I are like take all take all the time you want. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we're not we're not even worried about that. Um, you know, when we talk about WWDC as well, what other things stuck out to you? How about let's let's see. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, maybe a consumer feature or a feature that applies to you. But then I'd also love to hear kind of some of the developer stuff that you thought was really exciting as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good question on the consumer side. Like I said, the live text is probably my favorite bit mm-hmm. of that. And the fact that it's available everywhere. Uh, you know, what the other one I really liked is the quick note. I think that's going to be really mm-hmm. useful. It, and it's actually probably going to get me back into Apple's notes app, which I, I have, I'm i constantly shifting as the one app with the built in app that I'm constantly, I'll use drafts for a while or no, let me go use good note for a while. Let me go mm-hmm. use, and I'll change around and experiment with it. But for some reason, uh, like when I watched that, I thought, oh, that's just so convenient. And it's a system level thing. And they're all available on my Mac. Like I have like very simple requirements for notes. I just Mm -hmm. want to jot things down really quickly, but I want them to be everywhere and synced on every one of my devices, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that's a pretty 
uh, a pretty strong feature that I think I'll probably end up using quite a bit of my iPad, especially just kind of, you know, jot down a quick note and move on. I also really like the new version of Safari, uh, particularly on the Mac. The the iOS version is getting used to take us some getting used to with my <laughs> the, the putting down the, the search bar on the bottom. But, um, you know, I, I think that it looks like a really good update with a lot of privacy centered stuff, which is just Apple doubling down and pushing more on this whole Facebook thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's going to be a nice update as well. I actually found in general that I, I i think i'm a little more excited about monterey than i am about mm. the ios or ipad os updates and uh you know maybe the, the control what is it called universal control where yeah. i can i can just have uh, and again that'll make me use my ipad a little more it'll be more likely that i'll sit that ipad next to me if i can just mouse over to it real quick um so yeah i, I mean from a consumer level definitely those would be my big highlights uh from Oh, and the new maps look insane. But Dude, the, the, I know. Okay, <laughs> you know what? So I in, in my video, I basically, you know, I, I feel there's a huge, there's still a large majority of people that are still completely turned off by Apple Maps from the Scott Forstall days. Like, I think it did yep. some, like, pretty hard damage. And then yeah. also the fact is we know that Google Maps, not only have they had this longstanding reputation, but Google Maps is basically available in every country and every space. So that that's one of those things where not everyone can still even try Apple Maps, but I, I know so many people that are to this day completely like averse to Apple right. Maps. And I think about two, three years ago, I started kind of just using it again here and there. And I'm like, this is not that bad. And I think what it was is what really got me to use it is that when I put a maps on my phone and you do, yes, you have to have an Apple watch. The fact that it kind of like did a little vibration when it was time to turn, mm-hmm. whether you're walking or driving, I'm like, that's actually kind of useful. And so once that, that was almost, I guess you would call like the gateway drug for me getting back into Apple Maps before I would use Yelp. And I'm like, oh, don't send me to Apple Maps. And I would straight up copy and paste the address, go to freaking Google Maps, total like lame, but because I was so averse. Now I'm like Apple Maps, like take me, like I'm good. Like I, I really think that to your point, Apple Maps took another huge leap up and it looks so good. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where it really demonstrates the power of making a bad first impression mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. that can really screw you in the long term. But it's funny to me also with maps that Apple obviously, you know, sometimes Apple will put something out and it didn't go well and they just drop it, you know, iPod high five, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, okay, that didn't work out and they just pretend it never happened and they move on. With maps, they kept sticking to it. Yes. I can't help but think that that is a key part of the strategy for like the future of AR and like mm-hmm. if they're going to have like a glasses type product. Or their car or whatever it yeah, is. Or right? a car, exactly. They're going to have to use their own maps. Like they cannot rely on Google. Yes, it'll it'll yes. be Intel all over again, right? Yes. <laughs> or Motorola all over again. Like they don't want to depend on others. So they have no choice but to make maps better, and they have. I mean, uh, that's and that's the thing that uh, I think you're right. It, it really does depend on where you live. I know some places are still whatever, but I don't know. I, I find that Apple Maps have have come such a long way, yeah. and just how how they look, especially in this yep. new version. I know it's a limited number of cities where they're doing this really intense 3D stuff, but like when that gets everywhere, <laughs> that's going to be really insane. It's like it's like you're playing a video game. It looks so like 3D and like just so perfect. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just clean. Yeah. Uh, there aren't there aren't a thousand like Starbucks pl- popping up all over the place. It's just showing you the information you want to see. Uh, yeah, it's just that, it, it, really cool to see them uh, kind of really push forward with that particular technology because I, I like maps a lot. Uh, and, you know, I don't necessarily you know, love using Google stuff all the time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always a little, little paranoid about what they're doing with my data. <laughs> well, I think you make a great point because, you know, Apple leaning into privacy and, you know, I have 
you know, I really think about now, oh, if if I don't want these companies to track me and know all this crap about me, and basically they're making millions of dollars off of our data that we're just freely giving them, mm-hmm. you know, I, that bothers me, right? Man, and I don't see, I don't, I'm not saying it's a moral thing, but it does bother me. And so, you know, as this whole privacy story that Apple is again, like you said, double down, triple down on, it's like, why, why not use their products more if I'm already in the ecosystem and if I care about that? And it, it's kind of a no brainer. And when I look at maps, I remember way back in the day, I mean, you know, just to talk about how far ahead, uh, countries like japan and korea are are at like it was 2000 and let me think about this it was around 2005 joe and i was in a taxi and their gps was a fully 3d modeled rendered gps it wasn't at that time all we had been exposed to is the over the top super flat like very elementary type graphics right well japan was using 3d rendered city versions of their cities where the skyscrapers and everything that we were driving by i'm like i was like blown away and now <laughs> i feel like what apple's maps is you know sure it's what is this now 16 <laughs> 17 <laughs> years later but to see kind of the 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 overlays on um like off ramps and exchanges and freeways i can't tell you in la holy crap like that's useful you yeah. know especially if you're near the new to an area and just seeing how I don't know, they're they're an Apple-fied version of maps and it looks really good. And it, maps go beyond being visual, right? They have to be accurate. But again, I have not had an issue with Apple Maps over the past two, three years at all. And I, I enjoy using them. Yeah, yeah, same here. And and yeah, I mean, I think I never uh, left as much. I, I know a lot of people just totally, like you said, the Completely ditched maps ditched and never looked back. Uh, I kind of went back and forth for a little bit in the early days when it really wasn't great. Uh, but I kind of kept sticking with them. And yeah, like I said, it's it's been it's just nice to also just you're right. You're in the ecosystem already. Uh, just use the native thing. Uh, and I tend to do that. And, you know, except in the areas where Apple really doesn't pushed in like when they do their typical 80% solution, right? And I need something more, <laughs> more meaty. <laughs> All right. Thanks again to the Business Movers for sponsoring this podcast. In the newest episode of Wondery's Business Movers, they look at how Steve Jobs took Apple from near disaster to a total triumph. And Jobs had a knack for seeing the big picture, even that a computer animated film like Toy Story could be the future of movies or that a phone in our pockets could give us a universe of information at our fingertips. Now, he'd like to say a computer is a bicycle for our minds and that he saw how bikes elevated our minds and bodies and he thought computers could do the same for the brain. From the iPhone to Pixar, Steve Jobs led a career full of groundbreaking innovation, but his road to Silicon Valley success was a rocky one filled with failure and burn bridges. And what I love about this podcast is that it's great storytelling and it really holds your attention. They reenact the moment SJ was fired and then they have different voices reading the dialogue between former CEOs John Scully and SJ so you can feel the drama between them. It's a top-notch production and I don't throw the word guarantee around that often but i'm gonna do it here i guarantee you're gonna enjoy this so listen to business movers the enlightenment of steve jobs on apple Podcasts, amazon music or listen one week early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app and thanks also goes out to literati if you've always said that you wanted to read more well this summer is yours for the taking empower your inner reader with literati book clubs where you can read alongside the world's most inspiring authors and leaders so you can join people like malala stephen curry 
Richard Branson, and there's more on their next reading adventure. Literati delivers monthly book picks straight to your door so you can spend less time finding a good book and then more time actually reading one. Whether you're enjoying beach reads with Ellen Hildebrand or you're exploring mythic realms with Joseph Campbell scholars, you'll find their brilliant insights on the Literati app. You have authors, leaders, and activists that spark lively conversations in 12 unique book clubs, engaging a really diverse community of readers from all around the world. So that means you can talk about Stephen Curry's favorite books with Stephen Curry. For reals. Now, they also host exclusive interviews with the authors themselves where you can ask your biggest questions and then get the insider answers you won't find in any other book club. All book club members can shop the entire Literati library at discounts that are so steep that they look like cliffhangers with many books over 50% off. Now, I signed up for Richard Branson's book club because I thought that he would give me some insights into how to be more business-minded and a better business thinker. I'm reading The Art of Pollination, and right now it's only 104 pages, but it follows the work of Jane Tucson and how she was a force of nature in just building relationships to help ignite change by empowering people from all different walks of life. The Literati Book Club helps inspire better reading habits, and the subscription gives me access to exclusive book clubs led by the world's most inspiring people. Reimagine what a book club can be. Redeem your free trial at literati.com slash applebits. Head to literati.com slash applebits to learn more and read more with Literati. Literati.com slash applebits. All right, so let's talk about maybe um, you know, for people that are listening, let me think about it before we jump into more developer features. Oh, um, you know, really my two favorite products, iPad Pro, we talked about that, but Apple Watch, I mm. thought Apple Watch was a little meh, and I don't know if it's because not, I don't know. Maybe part of it is because the Apple Watch, you really kind of have to see what new hardware they release and that kind of leads to more features for that product specifically. But are we really trying to look at photos on our our watch face now that that I've never <laughs> done that and they spent like three or four minutes and I'm like are you are you serious right now yeah I have to agree with you that was probably the most for me and I love the watch it's me like too. again one of those devices that I just absolutely you know can't get enough of and I was looking forward to a, especially because it's, it's probably the newest right other than maybe tvOS it's the newest of their operating systems so you think it's less mature it has a longer way to go right you, you'd expect more and it has been that way for quite a few years. Like they've done quite a bit every year, every year. And this is the first year where it's like, oh, they kind of just tweaked it a bit. <laughs> you know, like just, there's like one new watch face and it's like portraits and photos. Again, the, the whole photo thing was really, they, they really were pushing that. Uh, and I thought, yeah, okay, that's kind of nice. But, you know, it, usually they have like seven or eight new watch faces mm -hmm. with all these different things. Uh, and even from a developer side, there are some, you know, some nicer things in there that we can do now than we could do before as, as third party developers. But in general, yeah, I was kind of disappointed a little bit. But you might be right. Maybe they've got some cool new sensor again like the oxygen thing where they mm -hmm. didn't announce that at dub dub last year because they wanted to wait until the hardware came out mm -hmm. um so maybe there'll be some other compelling reason to get to, to get the new watch this year or maybe they just realized that, like they're still selling most watches to first-time <laughs> customers which True. is amazing right so maybe maybe they know they're like okay the watch is kind of a product it's you know except for idiots like me most people are going to be like ipad users and like upgrade every three or four years right not every year the other thing that surprised me is that watchOS 8 is ru still running on the old watch, 
uh, version three, the series three watches, which mm. is kind of an old watch. It's kind of like a lot of developers are kind of like, Hey, this is kind of a pain in the butt to support this old thing. <laughs> can we, mm-hmm. can we get rid of, but Apple didn't drop any hardware this year, which is really crazy. Like the, this, your iPhone six S will still be able to run iOS 15. You know, it's not going to have all the features necessarily. Um, the same thing about your, like your Mac, like if you have an Intel Mac, it won't be able to do the live text. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, so you're missing some features, but they're actually still supporting that, which is really, uh, this is two years in a row now where they didn't drop any hardware, which is, yeah, pretty common on the Mac, but really rare on the on mm. the iOS side and the uh, watchOS side. That's a really so. good point. Um, you know, the other thing that I was thinking about with watchOS is I don't know if this fits this narrative in my mind, but I've always kept on saying, dude, all you got to do is let's unlock the Apple Watch, make it so you don't have an iPhone to set up, create like an iCloud account for free that maybe has like eight gigs of storage or something and let everyone who wants an Apple watch buy one, right? Yep. Like no, t- no ties specifically to, to iPhone because we know, I mean, everyone knows that would blow the thing up because it's already a top selling smartwatch. And I think at their last, uh, earnings report that they had said only some, something like maybe like 25 to 30% of Apple users are actual Apple watch owners, which means that's, that's a huge market that they still haven't tapped into of just yep. purely Apple users. And so, you know, I've always said make it independent, and I'm just wondering if they were kind of trying to show us. I mean, God knows, I'm not going to look up a GIF on like those are so small, <laughs> but they were featuring like, oh, use messages, messages. Scrib- I don't know if you've tried to scribble uh, messages, and I have. It takes a really long time. Like, yeah, I just yeah, go you're... to voice dictation, and it it actually does a pretty good job, but scribbling takes a long time. Totally agree. Yeah. Every time I try to scribble, I'm like, yeah, I should have just dictated this. But then I don't trust the dictation. I, I'm one of these people like Me if I too. see a typo in the dictation, no problem. You know, like I'll fix it. Whereas other people just send whatever the heck the thing, you know, and they're like, oh, they'll get it. <laughs> you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's you're right. That independence is really that's going to be the shining moment for the watch, because when Android users can just go buy an Apple watch. Mm-hmm you know, game over. Right. I mean, but you're right right now they haven't even tapped into all the Apple, uh, you know, all the iOS users. So I guess they got a ways to go there. And I guess, you know, these things are hard again, go back to the patient's theme, I suppose, uh, you know, it is a tiny, <laughs> tiny little computer. Uh, it's so, so to make it, and I, I imagine it's a real software challenge to be able to set that thing up without a phone of any kind, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, but we used to think that about the iPhone, right? You used to have True. to plug it into your Mac. So True. The fact that we don't need a phone, you know, we could just have a phone and not even have a computer anymore. I do think the watch needs to get there eventually, and I think it will probably in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so watchOS was, eh, I mean, again, yeah. the only re- I, the only reason they would show us how to use messages so much, I don't, I, I really feel they've never shown us using messages that much ever in a keynote. Is is they're kind of being like, hey, uh, this you can't, you know, it's almost a sign like we want you to learn this and know this so that when it's time to separate yourself from the iPhone, that your Apple watch can handle this. Okay. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe that's reading the tea leaves way too, way too much, but that, that's my, that's what I'm going to stick with, with that narrative of let's get this thing off the iPhone and just, you know, use the cloud for it. So, yeah. Um, also, so for you developer wise, I know you had tweeted a few things, even specific to the app store, but I'd love to hear, you know, we got a lot of people that listen. Most of us are consumers, um, but maybe some things in the developer world that might affect us or is a good thing, but also let's be selfish for you. And you can talk <laughs> about features that are going to make a difference for you and your business and developers. 
Yeah, I think sometimes that uh, things that are good for developers and make our lives easier will actually help the consumer at the end of the day too. And it's it, it, this is going to sound like totally, maybe not what the average developer would get excited about. Most developers get excited about like, ooh, concurrency and all these other really slick things that uh, Apple gives us. Uh, honestly, the most ex- exciting thing I tweeted about was the StoreKit APIs. <laughs> and uh, just for people who don't know, StoreKit is basically how us as developers talk to the App Store. So when you buy something, it's how I verify that you bought something, particularly uh, subscriptions and in-app purchases, like in all those coins you buy in your games. Uh, like, how do I know what you bought, right? Apple has to tell us what you're authorized to use versus not. And you know, back in the early days, it was paid up front. So if the app was on your phone, then I could be assured that you paid for it because there's no way you could have gotten it onto your phone unless you're jailbreaking or doing some other kind of hack, right? So I, would, I could be very reasonably sure. I didn't have to check to make sure you bought the thing. I just gave you access to the whole app, right? That was the, those were the early glorious days, right? But as we moved to subscriptions and we moved to uh, download it for free and then pay for the, you know, whatever the in-app purchase is, that gets a lot trickier because I have to know what you are entitled to see and not see inside the app. And the way Apple wrote that all originally, you know, the old joke is that you can tell that Apple started with a music store and everything has been built on iTunes since then. <laughs> so... <laughs> iTunes was like buy one song for 99 cents buy an album for $10 and like so everything has been stapled on top of that (laughs) ever since and so you can imagine when you like have to suddenly start managing subscriptions and consumables and things that have you know time expiries and things like it was really convoluted and so they would send you a receipt and you had to kind of parse it out and figure out like okay what what did they get and then when that auto renew didn't work out like maybe your credit card got bounced or maybe you're you know you have a new credit card expiration date or whatever the like you're in a grace period now well it was not easy to figure any of that stuff out. And you had to set up to do it really right. And to do it securely, you had to set up your own separate server that would then go talk to the app store and talk to their phone, you know, the user's phone and try to determine, you know, okay, are you, and that's why you have that restore purchases button. Every once in a while you launch an app and say, Hey, wait a second, I bought this and you have to hit restore purchases. That's like, that's sort of like the hell Mary play of like, okay, I don't, the server doesn't know what you're supposed to have. So just press this button and we'll try to figure it out. Um, and so they redid all of those APIs. Basically, they're giving us a, a, a very easy, a much easier way to on the phone securely be sure that you are the person you say you are and that you purchase this or that. Mm-hmm. And th- little things like that, though, to me, they they drop a barrier to entry. Like a lot of developers who maybe get into learning uh, about Swift and stuff, they're excited about putting buttons on the screen and making this cool app. They don't want to be playing with receipts. <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this stuff just makes it way easier. Like when once you just tell me I have to go set up a server, like I have a headache and I just want to go, you know, <laughs> I, I just want to walk away. And it's, you know, all of this like cryptographic stuff, I don't want to do any of that. And so Apple, like uh, what I've been yelling at for, for years, I've been saying, first off, like developers, please start using subscriptions. It's the way the future is. I you're going to stay sustainable. But I said that all knowing that I was making it way harder for them because you did have to do all this extra work. And so the fact that Apple made that much simpler, it's not like I, but I was yelling at Apple. Like I wanted as simple as like, you know, I asked the server, Hey, did they buy this or not? (laughs) Yes or no. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And it's almost that simple. Uh, And so, those kinds of things. They also added a lot of other cool stuff where, uh, you know, managing your subscription, which is really hard now. A lot of people don't know they have to go into settings and then like yeah. find the iCloud and then manage and then they have to go through the list. And I had to explain this to customers, you know, like th- these are all the steps and they don't understand why I don't just give them their money back. And I'm like, well, I don't have your money. Apple does. <laughs> <laughs> and only they can authorize giving it back. 
So they have a new uh, bit of API in there now where you can manage your subscription right from inside your app. You never leave mm-hmm. the app. It comes up with just immediately to your specific apps page where they can cancel or they can continue and turn on or off auto renew. You can also request a refund right inside the app, which is something that we've wanted for a mm. long time for us to be able to do that without having to explain to the customer where to go hunting for it. Now we can just put it in a simple little settings panel or your account panel uh, you know, on the app. And if someone's really disgruntled for whatever reason, they can go ahead and start the renew. I mean, we can't authorize it. We still can't authorize the, the uh, return because that's still Apple's thing, but we can at least like get them started right mm-hmm. from the app in a, in a much more intuitive place. So I think that's going to help consumers quite a bit as well. And I think, again, for good developers who are honest and want their customers to be happy, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing is going to be really helpful. So yeah, that, that honestly, that sounds crazy, but that's the thing I'm most excited about probably from the whole WWDC. I wanted them to do this for a long time. I think a lot of developers who are maybe afraid of doing subscriptions before because it's too hard will start doing it now. Uh, you'll see more creativity going on and people le- less worrying about like, how do I make sure that you paid for this consumable or that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's going to be a, a really big deal. No, I mean, that, that's a killer feature from both sides. I mean, I, f- I feel like it's easily a win-win for both sides. Mm-hmm. If if yeah. implemented by the developer who chooses to be yeah. nice about it, right? Because <laughs> there's definitely look, we we know there's a wide spectrum of people in life and developers and as well. And it's like, yeah, not everyone's going to be like, oh, here's the easy button to handle right. this. But there will be some that are like, hey, let's make this easy because ultimately it's it's our reputation, and you know. Y- it just speaks to uh, good human, good practices, good practices. Absolutely. Yeah. And along those same lines, Apple has a new guideline, a new rule in, in the App Store, where if you have an app that can let a user create an account, you have to also let them delete their account, mm. <laughs> which is so clearly aimed at Facebook. Like, I don't know about you, but I haven't used Facebook in about 15 years, but I have, I never deleted my account because I tried. And every time I did, oh, it was yeah. like this convoluted process of like, you know, write this letter to this person and do it. It's like, it's like canceling a gym membership. It's next to impossible. Right? So <laughs> what Apple's requiring is that if, if the app lets you create one, it has to let you delete it. And so I'm looking forward to downloading Facebook one last time, just so I can open it up, sign in and delete my account. <laughs> Oh, that's glorious. That is good. <laughs> it's like back at you finally after 15 years. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, honestly, I, I see, I, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of a burden. Obviously, you know, I, I'm working with some companies now like who have apps out there. And when Apple throws these things at you, it is like inconvenient because it takes you off your roadmap mm. and what you were doing. Suddenly now, oh, shoot, I have to add this button and I have to go tell my server guy, OK, we need a way to do this. Uh, but, you know, so it is a little bit inconvenient that Apple kind of just makes these announcements and you better have it all done in another week or two right so you, you kind of get taken off your thing but at the same time as a person who's using an iphone like it feels like you, and and even as someone who's making apps it's something i want my users like if you really don't like my app and you don't want to be using it i don't want you to feel like you're mm-hmm. trapped right i want you to feel like you can you can delete it at any time i won't have any more of your data and we'll you know we'll go our separate ways and everything's cool right i don't have like so many companies are trying to like hold on to customers for dear life and uh, to me, it's just, it's, it's kind of thirsty, right? <laughs> oh, it's, it's hella thirsty. And you know, I th- that, you know what? Okay. Um, speaking of thirst, I don't know if this is actually a, a thirst reference, but I'm going to jump around back into the keynote real quick. Um, one thing that drew me crazy and I like audibly screamed out loud is, and I think you'll remember this, you know, they were in the home OS section or, you know, their amazing homes, freaking like recreation of an open faced house. Like honestly, right. That's, you know, you know that studio has got to be sitting on Bub Street somewhere. You know, I you're like, like, yeah, 
I don't know where it is, but it's glorious. Okay, it's a freaking open face helm, right? Holy yep. shit, and it looks so dope, right? Um, but there is a time where they're like, oh, you know, with with Apple TV, um, you can get amazing audio by pairing it with two HomePod Minis. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, hell no! I mean, come on, guys. Like, there is not one single person in that building in Cupertino that literally agrees with that state. Like amazing audio like they're good for their size we know this yeah. they're not amazing <laughs> they're they're great bathroom speakers they really are yeah. but like, yeah I'm, I'm with you like i wouldn't i wouldn't i mean okay on the one hand it was kind of an auto mission that you couldn't pair your apple tv to the minis right it's before, like, yes yeah yeah before, yeah you right, could do right. that the whole, so like say that hey by the way we added this feature that's great <laughs> but to sell it the way apple did with this whole like this is the best sound ever i'm like come on <laughs> it's like give me back my regular home pods please <laughs> you know, do you think do you think that they're still like there there could be a home pod too or do you you know i'm it's kind of weird i i get the home pod mini can't be it but it just seems like they just killed the home pod yeah it feels like audio is so important to apple obviously they just did this whole spatial audio yeah release which is amazing right they, they just got into headphones yeah. they're so and every time they put on a new iMac they show off how amazing the speakers are so like clearly they're interested in audio and yeah, of course if they're going to make cars down the road they're going to need to have a killer sound so I, i'm just trying to picture dolby atmos in my car you know oh good lord, good lord but yeah it was such a weird i, I can't think of any product that apple kind of just suddenly announced hey we're not making these anymore That's and what I'm saying. no future plan like it, it, it yeah, it feels really odd, and I know it, maybe it didn't sell as well as other people thought it would, and and so on and so forth. But to me, the HomePod just sounds so good, so and the good. mini the mini just can't compete with it. Um, so yeah, I, I it, selfishly I'm hoping they come back with HomePods because I I know eventually these things will become obsolete, right? Um, yeah. So I I you know and I've got like five of them throughout the house, so I I want <laughs> I want them to continue. <laughs> Um, making these kinds of uh, home audio products. So, but maybe it will be specifically related to television because it, that is a nice combination. Uh, and, and the living room is the most obvious place to have a home pod, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what it, I don't know what to make of that. Sometimes you have to take Apple at their word. And when they say we're done with this, we're true, done with it. True. Right. So if the home pod comes back in some other form, I think it'll be a, at least a very different form. It won't be just a kind of a speaker that you talk to Siri. I mean, I hope if it would, it would make sense just because of the way the industry is moving with TVs getting a lot more affordable that are higher quality TVs that Apple does an actual soundbar. Now, I don't know if they yeah. will. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Sonos to me, Sonos is kind of like the the Apple of home theater right now from a from a speaker system because they have their own ecosystem. They have it really looking nice and slick and clean. But Apple is Apple, and if they release the soundbar, I, who knows how much they would charge for it compared to the market. But I think a lot of people would buy it. Yeah, I agree. And maybe even put a camera on it and let it be a FaceTime on Apple TV. Kind oh, of yeah, thing, absolutely. You know? absolutely. Especially with all the sharing stuff they just announced where like, there were so many parts of the keynote where I, I'm watching the you know the whole thing where you can actually you know, sync up your video and chat with her. I'm like, this would have been really handy last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. But I get it. I get, no one saw the pandemic coming, right? But I mean, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing. Like you could have a whole new category of like mm-hmm. fun family games that you play from a distance, you know, with friends or with family members uh, where you could be sharing your video uh seeing each other but also sharing an app on screen uh that's really cool and i think the potential for that on apple tv would be huge if they would you know if they pursued it and they also you know they're clearly playing around with the idea if they put center stage on that ipad pro um right i don't did you you did get your ipad pro right because i remember yours took a little longer or you're still waiting for it it's it is arriving today (laughs) (laughs) okay well because well then I'll, i'll i'll be happy to hear your thoughts eventually because 
center stage, like I, you know, I use my iPad for FaceTiming my family all the time. You can turn it off because sometimes it actually gets annoying, but center stage is is awesome. And that's the type of thing that I feel like they're testing that specific and it's a software thing, right? It's using mm-hmm. the ultra wide camera. It's not requiring any super extra special hardware that makes it ultra unique. It's it's really like AI face recognition, uh, you know, machine learning. And for me, that that's kind of something that opens the floodgates to what you're talking about, potential other home type devices that use cameras. And yeah. we'll trust them because Apple's privacy stance, like no one wants to hear. I, there was just a headline, I think a couple days ago, you know, my dream watch, the, the Dick Tracy watch with the camera on it, right? I, I honestly still want that. <laughs> but no, some people don't. Fine. That's fine. Every teach their own. But the, the report was like, oh, there's a new smartwatch coming out with two cameras from Facebook. Oh. And I'm like, right? <laughs> Instantly, you're like, hell no. Yeah, that's right up there with uh, Instagram, uh, you know, for kids. <laughs> They're going to make a specific. I'm like, what could go wrong? We're going to have an, an entire website dedicated to ch- photos of children. I, I can't imagine where that where any problem would be there. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, the the level of creepiness uh, and his his complete lack of understanding that oh, that is yeah. that creeps people out. Um, yeah, the more the more I think about Zuckerberg, like he's getting creepier as he, he is, goes he on, is, he is, instead of less. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like, what a cool idea, but from facebook <laughs> that's what i'm saying right and so yeah. you implement that with you know maybe like whether you're talking about like a, a camera for the smart home maybe you could even use center stage on an apple watch because it's just such a small device where your wrist might be moving around a lot i mean that gets interesting you know just for them to play in that space and the fact that people instantly uh, okay i won't say instantly but i would say for the most part people associate apple with trust with their privacy yeah Exactly. And that's, I mean, yeah, they're in a position, a stronger position than anyone to sell that product, especially if they put their typical Apple flair onto it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think the more that they double down on privacy, the more they will become the trusted mm-hmm. you know, source of these types of products, and particularly in your home. These are the places where privacy matters the most. Yeah, totally. Um, quick question. What do you think about, you know, everyone has this, um, their own interpretation of how important lossless audio is is is. Mm -hmm. and for you being an audio guy i would just love to hear your kind of take on it and does it matter or does it you know general consumer it may or may not matter like what are your thoughts on the whole lossless audio thing yeah it's it's rare that i i fully agree with eddie q but i have to (laughs) i have to agree with him on this one it's i think it's i think lossless audio is is it's a thing apple had to do it's a checkbox because, you know, uh, yep. Yep. Pandora has it, Spotify has it, you know, all, all the other places have it. So you have to have it as an option. But in terms of what the average consumer can hear, I think spatial audio is a much bigger deal. Yes, yes. Uh, and, in, you know, to some extent, like, okay, 3D movies, they were kind of a gimmick and they kept coming back, came back in the 70s. And it's the same thing with with audio. You had quadraphonic sound and then you had the 5.1 mixes, which were really huge in the 90s and early 2000s, with especially with the prog rock guys and things like that. You know, oh, let's take that old Yes album and remix it in 5.1. You know, it's, and it is, it is awesome to listen to that music that way. When you happen to be sitting in the middle of your living room, <laughs> yeah, blasting, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, how often do I have a chance to listen to music out loud where I'm not going to bother anyone else in the house, right? So the idea that you can bring a 3D spatial field into my headphones that I can walk around with, mm-hmm. uh, to me, is a bigger deal. I think the average person can hear that more. But having said that, like, again, lossless, I'm glad it's there. And I know a lot of people are disappointed that the uh, the AirPods Max can't use it uh, because of wireless and Bluetooth mm-hmm. and all those limitations. I think Apple will get around that eventually. It might take new hardware 
might take some sort of compression that's lossy, but lossy to the point where it's barely, well, I mean, to me, it, I still feel like lossy is pretty inaudible to most mm-hmm. people. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, having that high quality is important to some people. So it absolutely needs to be there. Apple can't keep its stance as like the music company if they don't have these things. But uh, you know, I wouldn't waste the extra uh, hard drive space on my phone for it. Let's put it that way. I might download them to my Mac and enjoy the higher quality audio that way when I'm you know plugged into my USB audio devices and I have the the higher you know capability of actually reproducing that bit rate. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, for me, I'm much more excited about spatial audio. Yeah, you know, um, the other thing about the whole uh, spatial audio thing, and you know, it's okay. Quick thing, maybe I missed this. They they're saying Dolby Atmos on Apple Music, but are there the spatial audio thing? I mean, are they trying to associate like okay, spatial audio? Dolby Atmos, the brand is behind some of the mixes of these songs, which give you spatial audio because it's Dolby Atmos. You know how they've kind of they've kind of thrown both terms around. Yeah, it is very confusing, and I'm not 100 percent up on exactly which is which and when one means the right, other. Right, I do, right. I, I do know that it can. Yeah, you're right. The the AirPods can kind of fake. They could take stereo audio and fake a mm-hmm. surround sound, you know, spatial audio thing, uh, versus the ones that are truly remixed as spatial audio. Uh, they did a couple of good examples, like the Marvin Gaye one that they had, where it's like they start with the original mono recording, yep, 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 <laughs> and yep. then they go over, the, and it's like, okay, that one's really obvious. Yeah. It's one of those things, though. It's gonna it, just like five point one surround was. It's really gonna matter, and just like movies, honestly, three D movies, you've seen the ones where it's like, oh, the, the arrow comes to your face, ooh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's obviously a gimmick, you know what I mean? So you'll see some engineers will just like start panning things all over your head and it'll yeah. just get confusing and stupid, right? It'll just be distracting, right? Whereas other, I think in the hands of the right engineer, so it's going to matter from mix to mix, but like in the hands of the right engineer, you can really space it out and make you feel like, I, I feel, I have a feeling like for live recordings, this is going to be amazing. It's going to make you feel like you're sitting on the stage almost, you know, where you can really get a sense of like, oh, the string players over there and the guitar players over here and the drummers behind me, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, it really is going to depend. And I think it might take a while for engineers to kind of figure out exactly what they want to do with these mixes. You know, you have great foresight because, um, so Sony has actually had their 360 reality audio kind of platform. They've been really trying to push it. I would say arguably the last two or three years, but it just hasn't taken off. It's literally right. It's literally Dolby Atmos for music or space, you know, spatial audio for music that Sony has been really kind of trying to usher in for the past like I said, two or three years. So, you know, I've, I've listened to some of their stuff and exactly to your point. So some, some, uh, you know, it's all comes down to the mix, right. And who's mixing it. They had earlier had about a few tracks that were kind of modern songs, like a Justin Timberlake song, um, kind of some of the like EDM type songs. They didn't sound very good in spatial audio, but the ones that came alive were the kind of acoustic performances, the live performances, stuff that, you know, it's kind of more clean, defined instruments that can be placed in a specific space. They they've had the Marvin Gaye track. Um, I don't know if you have title or not, but they only they only have like I think around 110 uh, 360 reality audio tracks. But it's really interesting when you go through them. They've even kind of scaled down some of them because some of them that used to be available aren't available anymore, and those typically tend to be the ones that were not the live performances. Hmm. Um, but it's it's the live stuff that sounds the best versus you know uh a recent modern track that was produced out here in whatever 2020, it, it, they just don't sound as good. And in fact, sometimes it sounds weird. 
Yeah, weird is a good way to put it because I listened to a number of tracks and there were a couple of them where I'm like, that's not an improvement. <laughs> no, exactly. It's, in fact, it sounds worse. Right. And I, it, it made me feel like an old man because all the people that are talking about like, oh, the Beach Boys were so much better in the original mono recordings. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like stereo is always better than mono. <laughs> but that's because I grew up in stereo, right? So I grew up listening to them that way. And so I do think there'll be some nostalgia for like the old mixes. Probably like 20 years from now, you're like, ooh, get the original mix of this album before before they ruined it with all that 3D stuff. Uh, you know, they'll definitely definitely be like a, a a cult of that kind of thing i'm sure and again everyone has different preferences but i, I really feel like spatial audio is something that just about anyone can hear the difference yep. right uh, especially when you put them side by side but like you know not even i think you'll it's enough where you'll really notice uh but again it's going to matter uh that you have engineers who really know what they're doing with it and it will take some time i, I think that you're going to hear some bad mixes out, out of the gate early on and i think there's gonna be a lot of pressure i'm sure eddie q is on the phone quite a bit like mm-hmm. making hey hey have you mixed this album yet have you mixed that album yet right <laughs> right um but it's gonna take time to go back to those original tapes and do it right so um, i'm hoping that they they move forward with it. i want to hear more audio but at the same time i want them to do it correctly so We'll yeah, see. Yeah. It's pretty exciting though. I mean, it 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 is cool like and and it actually is one of the few reasons I've I've never subscribed to Apple Music, but as the library of that gets a little bigger, I I think I'm I think I'm on the verge of doing. It. I mean, I've been a Spotify guy all my life and I will always be a Spotify person, but man, I mean, that 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 makes it more in, that makes it more interesting to me. And even like you said, the evolution of lost Oh, you're okay? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm fine. Sorry about that. <laughs> a little coffee. But, but even even the you know, the future of lossless, like you said, there, there, there's going to be ways where they will have different hardware that will kind of at least get you closer to lossless audio over a wireless connection. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, if they're stuck with kind of a Bluetooth, you know, bandwidth for right now, but Mm -hmm. that's going to change. And yeah, I I know Sony kind of got past that a little bit with some trickery, but so I I, I do think Apple will, will get there with wireless because, Again, as as much as I understand why like, I've got pretty expensive headphones with wires, but they're just not as convenient. Like for yeah. me, when I want to listen to music and enjoy it the most at this point, I'm just reaching for my AirPods Max because it's just the easiest thing for me to put on my head and walk around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and just they just sound amazing to me. So <laughs> like they I get if you don't good. if you don't like the Apple sound, I get that. Like it's, it's it is an opinion, but um, I, I think they sound great. And so it's that's currently the way I enjoy it. Like for me now, my AirPods Pro are strictly podcasts only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if I want to listen to music, I put the Max on. Well, you know, I, I would be there with you, but I, I kid you not. I, I misplaced my AirPods Max some time ago like literally within the past month i cannot find them at all <laughs> oh no <laughs> and i'm like pissed because i want to use them and I, right. I can't find them and they're blue it's not like <laughs> and and i bought um i bought a blue uh waterfield case is that the company i think yep yeah and it's so it should be easy to find and i for the life of me i can't find where i put them and so i've been i'm just like uh i want to try these things and i'm not gonna you know airpods pro good but not good enough i mean when you have airpods max you're gonna listen to airpods max Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my. And you're probably past the point where the battery's dead. So you can't even like do a find my thing. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, there's find my now. I'm like, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> oh, man. Somewhere, somewhere in this house and under a box or something, I got to imagine. Yeah. As long as you're pretty sure they're in the house. If they're in the house somewhere. They'll turn up eventually. But yeah. Damn. <laughs> All right, Joe. Um, You know, I just want to say thanks again for hanging out. Did you have any other things you want to talk about or are you good? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty good. Like I said, I'm excited. Apple, all the folks at Apple work really hard on this stuff. Yes. Uh, the, again, the level of professionalism in their videos is just insane. If you, you know, the keynote is one thing, like obviously they put a, t- a ton of stuff and all those, you know, corny special effects with Craig Federighi <laughs> doing his thing. And I, I just love all that. But even the just the, the regular videos from the individual, I'm, oh, I continue to be impressed that these are developers. These are mm, not people mm, who are like mm. you and me that get on stage and like chatted up with people. Like these are kind of people that, you know, you usually spend 90, 90% of their time at a computer screen and not talking to anyone. Uh, but they're, they've, they give really coherent presentations. They're very well trained yeah. uh, in, in media. And, and I just found that the content was spot on again this year. So kudos to Apple for putting this stuff out there and making, uh, making the, the, such a high quality bar uh, for, for quality contents for us. And it just makes it so much easier to digest it all. Um, would, how about this? Before you leave, uh, scale of 1 to 10 for you personally, what would you give the keynote? Oh, okay. Uh, I would say, I mean, given I've seen some really good keynotes over the years, this was, this one's maybe a seven, seven and a half. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I think that's good. I think mm-hmm. that's good. Okay. We'll go with that. I, <laughs> as, as a consumer, I, I put it at a six, but I do, I mean, from a production standpoint, they're always tens, but as yeah. someone who was right. like hurt a little bit by the iPad pro and the Apple watch, but there were a lot of other great things. Um, I, I gave it a friendly six, but okay. I agree. With, I, yeah. I, I think your score is fair as well. I'm just saying, even if you said a 10, at a 10, I'd be like, Joe, you're my friend, but sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. We will talk to you soon. Oh, before we go, let's uh, have you tell people just one more time where they can find your stuff. Sure. You can uh, you can find me at joec.design. You can also find our podcast, Release Notes, at releasenotes.tv. All right. There you go. Joe Chaplinski. He says adios. All right. Take care, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks. So there it is. Our WWDC 21 reactions and wrap-ups with Joe. Where are you all at with your score? From a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give the keynote? I asked people in my video. I think we saw a lot of, hmm, when I think about it, we did have some higher scores, but I would say generally trending. It was definitely around the 4, 5, 6 range. Some people are really brutal, but I don't, you know, those are outliers. It was not a 2. It was not a negative 100 there's there's all kinds of funny comments but um you know it it was good and it accomplished what they wanted to i think someone brought up a good point that if they had announced the m2 or the macbook pro we would not have cared about any of this stuff so maybe it was a little genius at the same time and i guess that person's right i i definitely wouldn't be talking about these features if the m2 and the macbook pro came out so we'll see if anything happens within the next month Like always, we got to give big thanks to our Patreon Platinum Apple supporters at the $100 level for supporting the show. That's amazing. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you to all of you. I I can't say that over any more than I already have, but you know that I really do appreciate this, and it allows to keep on bringing you great content and uh, Maybe maybe we'll get another interview with Apple. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm going to try and actually get someone that will answer questions for us, whatever that is and whatever that may be. All right. Just a reminder, patreon.com slash Tong is how you support this show for early access to content, benefits at every level, and a completely ad-free version of the show. Plus, we got our Zoom monthly catch-up. Always a good time as well. So patreon.com slash Tong is how you support it. Until then, I'm going to collect some more of the calls. I I have something that I think I can do maybe midweek, so maybe we'll give you a double episode 
next week. We'll see what happens, but send them in. Love to hear your WWDC 21 thoughts. We will include them in the next show. But until then, take everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Be safe. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.